0: leadership always begins with a picture of the future Mm, always If, if you're not pursuing something you're not leading
1: hey leader and welcome to another episode of the l3 leadership podcast where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership my name is Doug Smith and I am your host and today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Bear Tongue Advisors. We also recorded this live from the new Burgo Realty Studio. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and I hope that you'll enjoy our content and become a subscriber. Know that you can also watch all of our episodes over on our YouTube channel, so make sure you're subscribed there as well. And as always, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and it's impacted your life, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts through. That really does help us to grow our audience and reach more leaders. So thank you in advance for that. Well, leader, in today's episode, you're going to hear my conversation with the one and only Mark Miller. He is returning to the podcast for the third time, and if you are unfamiliar with Mark, let me just tell you a little bit about him. Mark started over 40 years ago working as an hourly employee at a local Chick-fil-A, and he has worked all across the business since then and recently just retired as the Vice President of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A. And for the last 20 years, he's also traveled the United States and the world, focusing much of his time on serving leaders, helping them grow themselves, their teams, and their organizations. And 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 in this episode, we talk all about his new book that's coming out called Uncommon Greatness, Five Fundamentals to Transform Your Leadership. And again, if you've never heard Mark, or even if you have, he had so much value in this conversation. You're going to love it. But before we dive in just a few announcements. This episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Baratung Advisors. The financial advisors at Baratung Advisors help educate and empower clients to make informed financial decisions. You can find out how Baratung Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future by visiting their website at baratungadvisors.com. That's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G-advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Bear Tongue Advisors, LPL Financial, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. I also want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. And my wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers and had an incredible experience. And not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, for every couple that comes in engaged, they give them a book to help them prepare for marriage. And we just love that. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. And with all that being said, let's dive right in. Here's my conversation with Mark Miller. Mark Miller, welcome back for the third time to the L3 Leadership Podcast. We were just joking uh, at this pace of you writing books. You'll be on every three months. It'll be beautiful. You add so much value to our audience every time that you're Thank on. You. So thanks again for joining us.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Yeah. And I want to dive into the book. Before we do, we were just talking, you know, catching up. And you mentioned that you just attended your first rodeo. Ever? Yes. What was that like this weekend?
0: It was fantastic. I was in uh, Fort Worth, and again, you you know, you always say, "Well, this is not my first rodeo." While well, I was looking for a <laughs> T-shirt that said, "This is my first rodeo," but those uh, men and women were amazing. Uh, I mean, I'd seen snippets of it here and there on TV, but it was it was it
1: was really cool being there in person. Did you watch Yellowstone? Like, what what made you go to a rodeo?
0: Uh Well, I've always wanted to go to one and okay. we were visiting uh, some friends and family out there and they knew I'd never been. And it was the semi-final weekend for the 137th edition. I think of the Fort Worth, uh, what they call it? Um, there was a show and rodeo, uh livestock show. So yeah, we got, we got the full experience.
1: I got to get to a rodeo. Well, great. uh, I want to dive into the book. The new book is called Uncommon Greatness, Five Fundamentals to Transform Your Leadership. And you've been adding value to leaders for so long in so many different ways. Why this book? Why now? And what do you want leaders to get out of it? Okay. There's a lot in that first question. So um, as I as i have shared with you on
0: previous uh, episodes, we've always tried to look three to five years into the future in almost every project we've worked on for the last 25 years to identify the emerging needs that leaders might be facing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we look for those weak signals and we've done work on leadership effectiveness because we saw leaders struggling. We've worked on culture because we said we're hearing more and more about culture on and on and on. We've done that many, many times. This one is just a little bit different because this was a request from Chick-fil-A. Some of your listeners know I spent almost 45 years working for Chick-fil-A. Hmm. And Chick-fil-A came to me, I think probably for several reasons. One, realizing that I was at some point going to retire. And they said, hey, we've got a problem we'd like you to help us solve. And I said, well, okay, What well, you know? what's on your mind? And they said something, some of your leaders might know that um, Ken Blanchard and I did a book 25 years ago called The Secret. It was actually my first writing project. It was at his insistence that we do that. And it was, it was amazing. But we decided back then that our uh, paradigm of leadership resembled an iceberg mm-hmm. that about 10% is above the waterline and about 90% is below. And the 10 percent above represents the skills and the 90 percent below represents your heart and your character as a leader. Well, we decided that very first book was about the skills because we felt like that was that was a pressing need in the world to to outline some of those things, those competencies that every leader needed. And it wasn't uh, just a few years later the outcry was for us to do something on the below the waterline. Well, Ken uh, had too many other things going on. So I, I did that by myself and it was a book called The Heart of Leadership. So back to the problem that Chick-fil-A identified. They said, our point of view on leadership is now contained in two books. And they said, what we've realized is we have some of our people in the organization who have read one book or the other and therefore, they have a truncated view of our point of view. And they said, can you put it together in one book? And so this was an opportunity uh, to, A, do a traditional book. Those were parables. So we wanted a traditional book and um, combine those two models in, into one approachable uh, paradigm that leaders could put into action today. So that's that's a little different backstory than all the other books, but that's how we got here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I've been one thing that I did see when I looked through the book, though, you know, you mentioned Ken Blanchard, you dedicated the book to him. Uh, you talked about how he changed your life through, you know, co-authoring The secret with you. Uh, and just, you know, when you get to spend time being mentored with someone like that, I'm just curious, what what is the impact that he's had on your life so much so that you dedicated this book to him?
0: Well... I had, I had never had aspirations to write. In fact, I may have told this story on a previous episode as well. We had done some work at Chick fil A about how to accelerate leadership development and, and we had what I call a crisis of confidence. We weren't quite sure we had it right. I mean, we were in the chicken business and this was our first foray into trying to, to articulate, document a point of view that we would potentially teach for generations. And goodness, we've now been teaching it at Chick fil A for a quarter century. Um, And so we we didn't know that we had it right. And I was going to be with Ken the next day. You can decide if that was a divine appointment or coincidence. But I said, hey, I'm going to be with Ken Blanchard tomorrow. He was a friend of mine. And I said, let me do you want me, I asked the team uh, that had been working on this for a couple of years at that point, I said, do you want me to share this with Ken? And they said, sure, please. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. So I said, hey, Ken, we've been working on how to accelerate leadership development. And I basically showed him the serve model, five bullet points on a single sheet of paper. And the first thing out of his mouth was, this has got to be a book. Well, I blew him off. And I said, Ken, everything looks like a book to you, which is why he's probably sold 70 million books. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you don't understand. He said, you were trying to articulate what Chick-fil-A believes about leadership. And he said, what Mm. you've done is you have articulated what has been true about leadership forever. And he said, it's got to be a book. So he he is that uh, quintessential leader who believed in me before I believed in myself. And he said, Let, "Let's do a book." And he persisted. There's, there's a lot of backstory there. But he and I ultimately uh, did that first book, and it was published about 20 years ago.
1: Wow! And so, really, you know, one of the first, the first fundamental in the book is seeing the future. It's all about having a vision. And I love how this ties in. So, technically, you could say, without Ken's vision of what your work could be released in the world, we wouldn't have. All of the great Mark Miller books that we have in print today, and yeah, he he could see the unseen for sure. And talk more more about what that means as leaders. The other thing that inspired me when I was reading through the "See the Vision" chapter is, you know, you were challenged, I believe, by the leaders of Chick Fil A to to go out and reach 100 million leaders. Is that correct? Like, what does the power of a vision do for someone? Okay, well, it's interesting. Let
0: me, yes, and you and I have talked about this before. And, and you are absolutely correct. The former, uh, CEO challenged me to try to figure out how to reach 10 million liters. And that was years that. and years ago. You are correct. And then now that I have uh, transitioned out of the chicken, I've entered my second half. People say, well, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to find a way to reach a hundred million liters. And I think with technology, I think that's, uh, that's a reasonable goal. So yes. Um, that was another case where we were trying to serve predominantly the Chick-fil-A leaders. We were publishing our work, but we didn't really have aspirations that were uh, on that scale. And it was it was that senior leader that said, hey, what if you found a way to serve 10 million liters a year. And I went back and shared that with the team. And, and they said, you know, that is possible. Now, this was obviously a few years back. And I said, OK, how is that possible? And they said, have you heard of something called the Internet? <laughs> and that's actually when I first started blogging. So mm. I, I wrote over four years, I wrote over 600 blog posts. I was doing three a week in order to begin building uh, a platform and serving global leaders. And so that that's how um, we took that next step was somebody who could see something I couldn't see.
1: Wow, that's so good. And you're really illustrating the power of actually being able to see the future. And sometimes we need people in our lives that see a bigger future for our lives than we do. And, uh, and thank God for that. But why, why did you, why is this so important that you included as a fundamental in the book for leaders to get really clear on, on providing a clear vision of the future?
0: Yeah. Leadership always begins with a picture of the future. Mm, Always. Wow. If if you're not pursuing something, you're not leading. Now, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm not I'm not trying to talk bad about you, but if you're not pursuing anything, you're managing at best, which is management is about today, leadership is about the future. Mm-hmm. And and you may not even be managing well if you don't have any preconceived notion about what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to achieve. And and who you're trying to become. And so people have asked me for 25 years, is this the most important of the fundamentals? And I would argue, well, they're all fundamental, but it's the first among equals. Hmm. Because if you're not trying to accomplish anything, then you don't even need the other fundamentals.
1: Yeah. So, what can leaders do? One, even just to take time, like you said, management's about today. But even as leaders who are visionary, it's so easy to get focused and boggled down by the day to day that we really don't time don't take time to actually see a clear p- picture of the future. What advice do you have for leaders on just taking time to see the future? Yeah. Well, let me
0: let me quickly add. I don't want to paint that, and I did. Let me let me let me reel that back in. Just half a step. I don't want to make this make this too simplistic. The best leaders are constantly in a heads up, heads down, heads up, heads down, because today does matter, but they don't become encumbered by today. Mm. They don't let the future be jeopardized by today. So Ken and I actually wrote about that a long, long time ago, that there is this tension, heads up, heads down, just far too many leaders aren't spending enough time heads up. They're not Mm. looking toward the future. And I would argue that if you don't spend enough time thinking about the future, there may not be one for you or for wow. your organization. And so if I'm giving somebody an adv- some advice, I would say they need to be carving out some time to think about the future. Because this this fundamental is really about weaving those threads of what you know to be true with what you know needs to be true hmm. and and painting a compelling picture that you can rally others to join you because you can't do it by yourself. By the way, if you can do it by yourself, it's not much. I always tell leaders, I hope you're trying to do something that's going to require you plus others. Hmm. And and this first fundamental gives you something uh, to share with others, uh, a vision to cast.
1: Yeah. And so if you actually take the time to, to put your head up and get the vision, then there's the challenge of how do you actually cast that in a compelling enough way and consistently enough throughout the organization? When I think about, I don't know who knows how many employees you had at Chick-fil-A, but when Truett or someone at the top has this vision, what are some keys for leaders to actually cascade that vision down to where it's reaching the, the guy at the Chick-fil-A counter saying my pleasure? All right. So this is a great opportunity for me to offer my standard
0: disclaimer. Uh, I would encourage your audience not to misinterpret the brevity of my response with the magnitude of that question. We could talk the rest of this episode on on this single topic <clears throat> because communicating vision, cascading vision is is a huge, huge uh, responsibility and challenge for leaders. But let me give you a couple of quick tips so that we can uh, talk about some of the other fundamentals. The first thing I would say is you need you need to be able to share your hopes and dreams in a in a form and a fashion that is simple, clear and repeatable. Like now you may be able and should be able to elaborate on that. Um, I had a leader call me not long ago and he said, hey, I want to share my vision with you. Uh, he was actually working on his culture. And he read me the most eloquent, beautiful, well thought out, uh just it was it was it was beautiful. And I said, listen, we finished. And I said, you need to laminate that. And he said, really? I said, "It's it's fantastic. I said, however, you need three more versions because what he read me was several minutes long. And I said, mm-hmm. that's great. I said, now you need to write an elevator speech. Write a paragraph that represents that. I said, that'll be your second. And I said, while you're headed in that direction, then you need to figure out how do you say it in a sentence or a phrase? See, far too many leaders start with the, the phrase and all they're doing is sloganeering. There's no meat. There's no substance. There's no passion. There's no there's no truth there. It's just it's just a catchy phrase. But because this guy had done that hard work first, then I said, "Get you something." Peter Drucker, uh, the late management and and leadership guru, said this a hundred years ago. Probably not quite, but a long time ago, he said, "If you can't put it on a t shirt, you don't have it yet." That's that, mm. that's that little pithy way to help people get it and understand it. And he said, okay, what's the fourth way? I said, now go back and do a full keynote. So when you wow. can totally unpack this, because what you read for me was two or three or four minutes, you're going to need to be able to talk about this for an hour and give examples and illustrations and nuance and so forth and so on. And so I, I think you, you, It has to at some point, though, be clear, simple and repeatable. So that's a lot to say. The only other thing I'll say is you then have to go to your inner circle. Be sure those around you understand it, because when you start casting it publicly, the first thing. When people have questions, they're not going to call you if you're the point leader. They're going to call their boss or their boss's boss. And you don't want them to say, well, I don't know. I heard it the first time you heard it. We, you know, we're all in this together. We don't know. And so th- that's why cascading is so powerful. But if you
1: skip that inner circle, you're setting yourself up for grief. Man, well, thank you for sharing that, Martha. That's a masterclass in vision casting and communication. Um, I want to hit a few other foundations uh, of, yep. of the new book. One that I, I love is, is Values, Results, and Relationships. Um, what it, this is such a tension, I think, for so many leaders. I know I am uh, you know, recovering people pleaser. I want to make everyone happy. I care more about relationships than results. But the reality is as leaders, we're responsible for both. Why Why is this one of the foundationals?
0: Well, let me, let me say it... For most leaders, it's going to be the most challenging of the fundamentals. And and the reason I say that with confidence is I believe that most leaders have a natural bias. You've confessed yours. My natural bias is more toward results. Now, there's a really small percentage of leaders. I've done a non-scientific study over the last 25 years, um, and I'm guessing they're probably 5% of leaders that value both without any extraordinary effort. I don't like those leaders because leadership is easier for them. But for me and you and a whole lot of other leaders, uh, we, we have to find a way to value both because there's, there's tremendous power in that tension. Um Jim Collins coined the phrase the genius of the and. He found this in highly successful organizations. Gosh, that was probably 20 years ago. And he he would use um an example like Toyota when they said, we're going to produce high-quality cars at low cost. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, there's power when you can when you can pursue things that on the surface and from time to time actually are in opposition. It's the genius of the end. Well, valuing results and relationships is a perfect example of that. And the reason it matters so much is that if if you focus exclusively on relationships, you're going to suboptimize results. But by the same token, if I focus exclusively on results, I'm going to sub-optimize results. Mm. So the way you maximize performance, which is why we lead, right? We're trying to accomplish something. The goal's not leadership. The goal is performance. And the way you maximize it is to value both. That's mm. why it matters.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious. You know, you confessed you're more on the results side. Um, how had you had to grow? How did you have to grow over the course of your career to be more focused on people than the results? Well, it's it's not a it's
0: not more people than results. It's to value both at a mm. very high level. Because see, a lot of folks will say, and you didn't say this, but a lot of folks will say, "Well, I'm just trying to be right in the middle." I said, "Well, then you're pretty mediocre on both." Mm. You actually need to value both. It's like, can you can you get passionate about both? You value both. You may not change your hardwiring and the way you see the world, but I think for me, and I would say for you and for all the folks listening, I think it's a two-step process. And I love the fact it's a two-step process because that's simple. I can get my head around it. One, which you and I have already taken this first step, it's to own your bias. Yeah. Don't don't make excuses, don't hide, don't be ashamed, don't wish you were like somebody else. It's like, no, no, you are uniquely made to be who you are. Okay, so let's start by honoring our bias and and owning it and saying, "Yep, this is who I am." Step 2 in the process is the money step, and that is when you compensate And I liken it to a leader that wears glasses. You wouldn't look at a leader who wears glasses and say they're a lesser leader because they wear glasses. I think you might say they're pretty smart because they realized there was something they didn't do naturally well and they found the proper prescription to compensate. And so I tell leaders, if you're more results oriented, then you have to find ways to compensate on the relationship side and vice versa. It's like dialing in the appropriate prescription. What kind of systems, what kind of... Um um, habits, what kind of people do you need to bring around you? So I would encourage you to be sure there's some people who, um, who see the world differently on your leadership team. If we're not careful, we'll select people just like us. You'll have a bunch of relationship mm-hmm. people. You need some folks who value results on your leadership team. And I need some people who value relationships on mine. So that's probably the simplest way. And then you just have to figure out how much, how much of a prescription, how much compensation do you need? So that you can actually value both.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I know this was a huge growth area for me uh, in my early thirties. I remember I had the opportunity to have a, a lunch with John Maxwell, and I was asking him about this, and he just said, uh, "Doug, you have to make the decision that you'll always love people, but not depend on their love." And for whatever reason, that that was the statement that I needed. That kind of made me value both and then balance that tension well and. Every time I'm about to have a hard conversation around results, I remind myself of, hey, I'm loving this person. And actually, I'm loving them by being honest with them and valuing results. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was huge for my growth. And so thank you for sharing a little bit about yeah. your journey too. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, the other foundation is embody a leader's heart. I love this. Why is this important? Okay. This
0: is, I mentioned earlier, we were we were pushing two models together. So anybody who's read The Secret might remember that the last fundamental was embody the values. And we've now changed that because there are five heart habits that we think are actually below the waterline, if you go back to our iceberg, that represent a leader's heart. Uh, why it's important, if your heart's not right, no one cares about your skills. And there's mm-hmm. probably somebody listening who's got the skills and they wonder why people won't follow them. Because they probably don't trust your heart. And I'm not uh-huh. talking about don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. That all matters. I'm talking about those distinctive marks on a leader's life. Leaders are different. Leaders hunger for wisdom. Leaders expect the best. Leaders accept responsibility. You see where this is going? Those are the heart habits, and there are a few more, that leaders must uh pursue and and ultimately make progress so that people will trust you enough to follow you.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And I know you have an assessment with the book on all of these, but I'm curious, you know, how as a leader, do I determine whether or not I'm a leader worth following or get feedback around that? Well, you, you kind of see
0: if people are following you.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean,
0: I got, I'll quote Drucker one more time. Uh, he said there are two tests of a leader. Do they get results and do they have followers? Mm. If nobody's following you, John, you talk, John, John said this a hundred years ago. If if you, if you, if you're leading and you look over your shoulder and nobody's following you, you're just out taking a walk. Mm. Right? So I, I, I think it'll be, it'll be pretty obvious um, if, if you've got heart issues, but the good news is with intention and effort you can change your heart and and yeah. you can become a, a leader people want to follow
1: yeah, and you close the book, and I love this. You close the book with challenging leaders to always serve, and you know servant leadership is a big topic, but why did you close the book that way?
0: Well, you know that part of what we're trying to do here is is tell folks. Uncommon leadership is the path to uncommon greatness. We didn't talk about that in this interview, which is fine, but a lot of leaders, let me let me go back there for a second, a lot of leaders are pursuing common greatness. Hmm. In essence, their ladders leaning against the wrong wall, and most of them will tell you that once they get to the top. It's not fulfilling like they thought it would be, it's not sustainable, it's it's fleeting. It's, it's focused on them. Uncommon greatness is focused on others and it, and it will last and it elicits greatness from others. And when you're pursuing that type of greatness, it makes all the difference in the world. The path is uncommon leadership and you're, you'll know those leaders because they're the ones that are willing to serve.
1: Yeah. I love that. Well, can you talk more about, you know, obviously where people can get the book, but then also the assessment that you provided.
0: Yes. uh, There is an assessment. If you would text uncommon to 66866. There you go. And it's not one of those assessments that when you finish it, you'll think, well, I just wasted 10 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. It's not one of those. It's behaviorally based, dependent on your responses. And it'll say, "Okay, based on what you said, here's some things that we think would help you. And uh, I'm really excited about it. The early feedback has been positive. We started sharing the assessment uh, months before the book came out. And so just really, even in the development phase, we were trying to build that. I had a, a fantastic team of, of a bunch of really smart people. We did interviews with leaders to figure out what are the right areas to probe and what questions would maybe not be. The answers aren't really obvious, but they're telling and help. Because we all have our own bias. And so we were trying to build something that would get through that and around that and add value to leaders. And so it's free. I hope you'll take it and, uh, and benefit from it.
1: Yeah. And Mark, I know we were joking that, you know, you write a new book every three months, but man, you have so much rich leadership content. And I know you're always thinking into the future. Uh, what's on your heart right now for leaders is you think even beyond this book, like, what are you dreaming yeah. about? What do you see being? Down yeah, the pipe. well
0: I've got two more in the works
1: um, <laughs> Of course one you
0: do. <laughs> well one um we we've, we've already invested about four million dollars um wow. on the research and it's on organizational change. Mm. conventional wisdom is that seventy percent of organizational change efforts fail mm. I mean think about the cost, the human cost, the energy, the emotions, the financial implications seven out of ten Change efforts fail. And, and it, in reality, it may be more than that. Uh, we've done a global survey, talked to leaders all over a lot of work on that. So there will be a book on wow. organizational change coming. Then one more I'm really excited about is we are building a leadership operating system. Hmm. We're, we're going to provide a path for leaders with three anchors. One, how do you become a better leader? Hmm. Two, how do you improve team performance? And three, how do you strengthen your organization? And that work is underway and should be published. It'll be published before the change book. Uh, it's slated to come out in 25. So a lot of fun stuff in the pipeline.
1: Yeah. And Mark, I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit more about your why. I think it was the first interview I asked you, uh, Somehow, charity or generosity came up, and you said a lot of your generosity goes towards leadership development organizations. Uh, you just spent—you just talked about spending four million dollars on research that will help make leaders better. Like, why are you giving your life away towards this vision of reaching 100 million leaders? Why is that so important and compelling to you? Well,
0: it—I it, feel it's—it's it's my personal calling, and as I mentioned earlier, I think I mentioned that. I've retired from Chick-fil-A, which right. is which is great. That happened just a few months ago. And it was a fantastic run. And I'm so thankful for so many things. We don't have time to get into all of that. But here's my point of view. And this is, I'm, I'm not throwing shade at anybody who sees this differently, but I think you can retire from a job. I don't think you can retire from a calling. Mm-hmm. And so my yeah. calling is unchanged. I I believe as best I can discern, I'm on the planet to encourage and equip leaders to change their world. Wow. And so I don't work at the chicken anymore, but those are, those are sort of my standing orders. And I'm going to keep working on that until I discern that I'm supposed to do something different.
1: Yeah, and I guess I would ask, what's your advice? You know, I I try to do the same thing where I'm at. We have a podcast, conference, all these different things. You mentioned, you know, this vision of reaching 100 million leaders. You've blogged, you have a podcast, books. What have you found the greatest way to actually help equip and train leaders to change the world? What's been most fruitful for you?
0: Well, let me let me say we're we're we don't I don't know the answer to that. I mean, but my daddy used to outfish me, and I think there were many reasons he would outfish me. And one is he'd put more lines in the water than I would. (laughs) <laughs> and I think I think the world we live in. I think some people want a podcast, and some people want a book, and some people want a computer-assisted uh, learning module, and some people want an app, and some people want a journal, and some people like. So we're going. We're going to serve a bunch of leaders. We're going to have to put a lot of hooks in the water. Now, because of the scale of, of our, of our vision, it will have a huge technology component. And we're building a platform right now. That operating system that I mentioned, it will be available in an online, uh, academy so that, so that people who want that form of learning can access it. And that will be the ticket to scale. I mean, I'll still stand up and do keynotes, but you're not going to reach a hundred million people doing keynotes. You're wow. not going to reach a hundred million people writing books. So because of the magnitude of of that vision, we we will build over time uh, what I believe will be a, a robust uh, technology platform.
1: Yeah. I love that vision of getting a bunch of lines in the water. I love, love, love that. Uh, as we close, open-ended, anything else you want to leave or challenge leaders with today?
0: Well, I, I guess... Uh, a challenge and then a, a footnote. Um, you know what you do matters. I want to remind you what you do matters. Everything rises and falls on leadership. We quote John one more time. I mean, He got that right. Churches and schools and hospitals and families and chicken restaurants and it, everything rises and falls on leadership. We are the strategic lever to literally change the world. Wow. And so I, I want to continue to encourage you. I know it's hard. I had a CEO just recently. I'd done a keynote for her. as uh, a workshop for her senior leaders, like 10 leaders in the room. And I got through. The CEO was the first to speak. And she said, what you're talking about sounds hard. <laughs> and I said, all of you signed up for a hard job. There are much easier ways to make a living.
1: Yep. It is hard.
0: We want to make it doable hard, not destructive hard. That's another talk for another day, <laughs> but but it is hard. And so that's why I want to be one more voice, not only encouraging you, but I want to equip you so that you can be successful. So the footnote, and I did this, I think on our last show, I want to give everybody my cell number in case they want to reach out. That number is 678-612-8441.
1: Wow. And we'll include a link to the book. We'll include his cell phone number and everything else that we discussed in the show notes. So Make sure you check those out. Mark, thank you again. The third interview was wonderful. Uh, Thank you for adding value to me. I'm one of the hundred million uh, that you're impacting and hopefully we'll do this again soon. Great, Doug. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, Leader, thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Mark. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can find ways to connect with him and links to everything that we discussed in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash 411. And as always, Leader, I like to end every episode with a quote. And today I'll quote Rosalind Carter, who said this, A leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but ought to be. I love that. Well, Leader, I say it every episode, but know that my wife, Lauren, I love you. We believe in you and don't quit. Keep leading. The world desperately needs your leadership. We'll talk to you next episode.